What does that mean? <laughs> it just started. <laughs> okay. So what would what would Buddha do in traffic when he felt himself getting angry? What would Buddha do if he were bored? These are real questions that people have asked. What what would Buddha do if he were bored? What would do, Buddha do if he were if he had to make a salad? What kind of salad would Buddha make? Um, what would Buddha do if his credit card were maxed out? What would Buddha do if he couldn't resist junk food? What would Buddha do if he were stuck in an airport? What would Buddha do if a cashier gave him more change than he deserved? What would Buddha do if he got angry, hungry, jealous, sad, you know? What would Buddha do in any circumstance in life? What would be the right thing to do? And there are answers given in this book, so you might want to check it out. I think from a Zen perspective, the right thing to do the thing that Buddha would do would be, it depends. It depends. There's no right that is established beforehand. Like, for example, it would be handed down by a god or by some uh, absolute set of um, ideas or ideology, that these rights are not set out for us. And all we have to do is press, what would Buddha do in this situation? What would Buddha do in this situation? And we got the answer. According to Zen practice, life is not so simple as that. It all depends. I use, I use this phrase a lot, exquisite specificity. Life is full of exquisite specificities. Just this situation. And just this situation that I'm in may require of me something that I have never done before. I have never even considered that I've never even imagined myself doing. But this specific situation requires this specific action. That's why we practice to be so alert and so present and so mindful that we can know in this situation, because we're so present to it, we know what to do. We know what's right. Oh, we could be wrong. We could be wrong, but that doesn't mean that we weren't right. That's strange, isn't it? I just heard myself saying that, but that sounds, but it sounds true that we could be wrong, 
but that doesn't mean we weren't right. We could, we could say that I was wrong in fact, that is things didn't turn out the way I intended them, but I was right in the Dharma. I was right in the Dharma, but wrong in fact, because I cannot control the results of my actions, right? Right. So, so sometimes in Zen we say, act according to the Dharma and detach from results because we have no control over results. But what, so it could turn out to be wrong, but our intention, our intention, which is what karma is based on, our intention was right, was appropriate, was fitting, okay? So, as I said, this rightness is not laid out for us beforehand. And that's why it, it's so challenging to know what the, how we should act, what we should do, because we don't have, we don't have dogma in Zen. There's no dogma. So yes, we have to, we have to just go on our wisdom and our compassion. Whatever, whatever that tells us to do. And it's kind of like um, the rightness of Goldilocks and the three bears. So Goldilocks comes into the house of the three bears and she sees the, the three chairs, the baby bear, the mama bear and the papa bear. And she tries out the chairs. Papa bears, too hard. The baby bears, too soft. And the mama bear is just right. It just fits her. Similarly with the porridge, too hot, too cold. Mm, just right, this is like Oriochi, just enough. The beds, too hard too soft, just right. This is what we call the middle way. It's not about half and half. That's not, it, the middle way is not about moderation. It's not about a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The middle way is the just right way. <laughs> the just right, it's like when, Maybe a better word would be true, the true way. When we say, this feels true, we don't necessarily mean this is relative to false. This just feels, this is a true, true person. This is this true way to be. It's like we feel this is, this is right. This is right. This feels right. I once asked a fellow who, um, was coming to practice many, many, for many, many months, never said a word, kind of like Joe for a while. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, why do you keep coming? You never say anything, you never, you know, whatever, just keep showing up. He says, it just feels right. This feels right. 
That's simple. But it's not that simple because it takes some inner, um, inner understanding, inner perceptiveness, inner intuition, inner wisdom to have that sense of what is what is right in this in this exquisitely specific situation that this situation right now will never ever occur again it's this moment how to be in this moment will never occur in, again in millennia and it never has occurred so what needs to be done now? I think also now it occurs to me that in my dream, I was pacing up and down the warehouse. And I remember over the past few days, I've done a lot of pacing because I don't know what to do about what's going on in Ukraine. I, I just don't know what to do. And I just find myself pacing up and down and up and down. And it's not even about necessarily taking a specific action. It's just this feeling of what to do. Because it's so big. It's so distant, it's so beyond, beyond. And then I woke up this morning, getting ready to come and practice. And that was the answer. It's right in front of me. Practice, be here, be with Sangha, practice peace, practice peace. Practice peace. That's what you can do. So pacing, come, come to the zendo, sit down, and do what John Milton said in his poem. They also serve who only stand and wait. They also serve who only stand and wait. Or we could say they also serve who only sit and practice. They also serve who only sit and practice. So right, what is right is continually changing. There is no absolute right. Again, I'm speaking as a Dharma teacher, as someone who is transmitting these teachings. You might hear other teachers having other perspectives, um, other causes and conditions, but there is no absolute right. Right flows with the change of circumstances. And so there is no right thing to say. Somebody says, well, what is the right thing to say? What is the right way to look at this right view? What's the right perspective to take on this? And I suspect Buddha would say, it depends. It depends 
on causes and conditions. It depends on what's going on right in front of you. And it could be, as I've said, it could be wrong. You could be wrong, but you could be right in the Dharma. And I want to end with this lovely story about um, Gurdjieff, who is the Russian mystic. And I think I've told this before, but it's a per pertinent, it's proper, it's appropriate for, for now. Uh, Gurdjieff was a, a mystic who had a community of practitioners. And it was a spiritual community. And uh, he was a Russian mystic. And he uh, often gave his students uh, jobs that were futile, that they, like doing things that didn't accomplish anything, but just continue to, uh, to work, to work in the community. <clears throat> and there was one particular fellow in the group who everybody disliked, this really irritating person, uh, complaining all the time, uh, challenging people, uh, you know, refusing to do things that everybody else was doing in the way that, I mean, just a generally obnoxious person. And he was, he was exiled by, by everyone in the community, nothing to do with him. Sometimes he got into fights with people. And one day Gurdjieff gave his community the task of digging up some uh, sod, some uh, soil, grass, and just digging it up and putting it in another location. On the, on the grounds. And this fellow just had reached his limit. He had said, I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm fed up with this whole community, all these instructions, I'm leaving. And he got in his car and he disappeared. Well, everybody was so happy that this guy was gone. And Gurdjieff got in his car and followed the, the fellow and within a day brought him back to the community. And everybody was up in arms, but they had to, I mean, Gurdjieff was the teacher, he was the boss, so they had to readjust to this fellow who everybody despised. And one day when Gurdjieff was having his lunch, his assistant uh, was serving him. And he said, he had to ask, he said, why, why, did, why did you do this? Everybody hates this guy. Why did you bring him back? And he said, it's very important to have a person like this in our community because it puts everybody else, challenges everybody else to see how patient, how tolerant, how, how much they can resolve these conflicts with, with somebody they do not like and somebody who irritates them. He said, not only is, his, is he important to the community, he said, 
but I actually pay him. <laughs> we could say that from, a, from the point of view of everybody who despised this fellow, that Gurdjieff was wrong to bring him back, but he was right in the Dharma. He, he, he kind of stood up to the community who thought he was wrong and in maybe in fact he was wrong in having the community have to deal with this despicable, despicable person. But from the point of view of teachings, of what he, what he intended to teach his disciples, he was right. He was right to do this. So as an, just as an example of how, first of all, how difficult, of course, it is to know what to do, to what is right and what is not right, and how, uh, how challenging that is because of changing circumstances. And, and not only changing circumstances, but changing within us, and I suspect and maybe this is something to consider for, for yourselves. When, can you, can you recall a time when you really thought you were right and you turned out to be horribly wrong? When you were so sure that you were right and you discovered, yeah, you were wrong. Or when you were proven to be wrong, but felt inwardly that you had made the right decision. Complex. So this eightfold path of rights is also filled with complexity, the complexity of life. And so what we have what we've started to do for the next few months is you might say to start this wheel turning, this eightfold path wheel turning with no expectation that that wheel is going to go anywhere. <laughs> but just to keep keep it turning could say like, like a water wheel. The water wheel doesn't go anywhere. It just generates energy. It generates um, understanding, wisdom, compassion as it turns. So we're going to turn it, continue to turn it together and um, watch watch how our lives gets, get picked up and moved with that wheel. So we can return to our Krishnas for outdoor kini. And we can say goodbye. I think we may have said goodbye to our friends on